With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saturday Night Live with John Cena is over, but we're just getting started here on the Saturday Night Live post-show recap. And now... Here are the two guys who are both John Cena. Yes. Yes. Rich Tackenberg, how are you? Good. And you know I am much less John Cena and much more the Waddler. <laughs> yes. Here we are, ready to recap your favorite WWE superstar, Rich, John Cena. Yeah, I like John Cena. I say going into this, uh, you know, if there is any negativity that you uh, will probably hear from me, it is not because of a, a dislike of John Cena. I think he's a, a fun guy. I think he was funny in stuff that we've all seen him in. And uh, and I would say in this episode, he himself did a did a nice job. I have I have, I have little uh, critical to say of him specifically, um, although uh, more critical is probably to come. Okay. Uh, for me personally, uh, yeah, nothing against John Cena, although definitely not one of my top 10 WWE superstars of all time. Just uh, at the the rise of his prominence came after my uh, love affair with the WWE. I was going to say, I really do want to hear the top 10 list broken down, but maybe we'll <laughs> save that for another time. Right, right. Uh, that he came into prominence uh, after 2002. I'm sorry to say that uh, no, I, I missed <laughs> that the John it. Cena era. Anyway, Got it. so uh, Rich, here we are, not live today, recording this on Monday night. Uh, life got in the way on Sunday, and so ultimately, yes. uh, here's where we're at. We're going to hear from James Keast later on in this show. He's recorded his assessment of Marin Morris, and then barring any unforeseen uh, disasters, we should be live once again this uh, Sunday to talk about what's going on with the uh, midseason finale of SNL. Yes, the the truest of the Christmas episodes with uh, the not so Christmassy Casey Affleck. <laughs> Why isn't he Christmassy? Uh, I don't know. He doesn't seem to have a great reputation these days. So uh, I don't know. Be, that'll be an interesting one. He's he's going to be an interesting gentleman. We'll see. Uh, looking forward to seeing what they do with that. Okay, so uh, Rich, uh, why don't we get into talking about the John Cena episode? which opens with another political cold open uh, this time. Second time this season, actually, we don't have the Alec Baldwin Trump here, even though he is the 400 pound elephant in the room. Yeah. And I think we had sort of suspected that this was likely that given the run of three episodes in a row, that there was a good chance that, you know, that Mr. Baldwin would take off, you know, the middle so, as just a break, uh, whether whether needing it from exhaustion or emotionally being exhausted of doing it. I think he probably just needed a break. So not surprised, but we're still going to talk about Trump uh, with Jake Tapper, even if uh, Monsieur Trump is not there uh, himself. So we have the Jake Tapper CNN show. And once again, Kellyanne Conway. And boy, uh, who would have thought Kellyanne Conway probably 
the recurring character who has been on the most episodes and in the most sketches of SNL this season. Yeah. And I think that this is a great example of, you know, I, I don't know that anyone would say that this is necessarily an impression at this point. Uh, this is really just a character that has been created, uh, you know, that with the same name and job title. I like that, uh, you know, they're not playing her as, you know, a dummy or a ditz or one of the many characters on Weekend Update who's basically doing just malapropisms and getting terms wrong. Um, I, I think that she does a great job. Uh, you know, I think there was uh, when I think that the line for me of this uh, whole piece is when uh, they were talking about Trump's nominees and uh, I think something about the alt right. And she says, well, they're not bad. They're alt good. And I just thought I, I really like that kind of, uh, you know, clever writing that they're doing f- for this character. So I, I thought the the beginning was very, very fun beginning to this piece. Right. And she that's probably the best line of this whole sketch. And so we're going with the theme that Trump is appointing people that are trying to undermine the agencies uh, that they are supposed to be heading. And we get to the new head of the DEA, Rich. Here's Brian Cranston back to reprise Walter White. Yeah, you know, interesting. I mean, he hasn't hosted uh, since 2010. He hosted season 36. Um, you know, he's certainly one to show up and uh, and and drop in and, and have some fun. He, uh, you know, which he clearly did here. Um, you know, I loved the idea of this. I think the idea that, you know, w- was it played so well into this premise that, you know, Trump seems to be almost, uh, you know, sort of uh, trying to take down the, the very, uh, you know, uh, position that he's supposed to be upholding. Um, and I love Brian Cranston, but I will say for me, I found myself pretty much anytime Jake Tapper asked a question of Walter White, I think we as the audience all knew exactly what Brian Cranston was going to say in response. It was very sort of an obvious sort of set up and, uh, you know, you know, hit the, you know, set up the ball, hit the ball uh, kind of situation. So uh, so for me, this ended up being much more fun than funny the second half. I don't know that i really laughed out loud much at all um other than just more like oh this is really fun that this is happening yeah rich i'm the same way and i went from oh this is so great here's walter white uh this is really fantastic to by about the fourth question i was like are are you kidding me really that we did the joke the punchline was well i am the one who knocks uh, yeah. I mean, that was an SNL punchline here in 2016. Yeah, no, it, it felt very much that. And and it's the tough part of the writing of, you know, you know, we're all being reminded. And I, I have to admit, and I watched every episode of Breaking Bad from the season premiere to the to the season finale. Uh, and I was like, I am the one who knocks. Oh, right. That's the thing he said. Right. Like it di- it wasn't like waiting for it to sort of, you know, bounce off the, the rooftop. So, uh, yeah, it was just more fun than funny fun that he did it, you know, similar to Jennifer for Aniston last week. I think it was probably due to, you know, some kind of marketing, uh, you know, um, obligation for his new comedy uh, that that comes out soon that probably looks about as funny as Office Christmas Party. So yes. they may be uh, a little bit desperate to Don't you uh, think to that was weird that they remade Meet the Parents, Rich? Is that what that is? I don't even know what that is. I, <laughs> no, I, it's, I, I'm I, joking, I, but yeah. I mean, it's the same. Does exact. it look similar? Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it, it's now you, you have uh, Brian Cranston is playing the 
De Niro role and James Franco is playing the Ben Stiller role. But I mean, tell me that's not the same yeah. exact movie. No, you're absolutely right. Definitely right. Yeah. So. So, yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, I liked that it was, uh, you know, that the cameo person by himself got to say live from New York at Saturday night. You don't get that very often. But, uh, you know, once once we got and this is really going to be a theme of this particular episode, which is once I understood what the joke of the sketch was, I then was able to pretty much predict punchlines as they were happening, which which made it tougher for me to sort of uh, enjoy. And Rich, I also thought that, OK, this uh, Brian Cranston thing is not working, but OK, this will be the first of three guests here with Jake Tapper and they'll introduce some other heads of agencies. And when they went to live from New York, it's Saturday, it's Saturday night. I, I was uh, gobsmacked. I, I, I couldn't. That's the end of the sketch. Yeah, I mean, I was actually probably happy that it ended at that point. Um, I think that you, if you're going to bring on Brian Cranston as a cameo, you're not going to put him in, in a mid position. You're going to close with him. So I didn't necessarily think there was going to be more, but I was very happy that there was not more. I felt like, OK, it was definitely cute. Let's now uh, now let's wrap it up. All right. So here we go with our John Cena monologue and uh, John Cena comes out and uh, he is sort of doing a little bit of setup and introducing himself to the Hillary Clinton voters. Yes, I did like that. If you voted for Hillary, I'm a wrestler. I thought that was very fun. It was very cute. And then he goes into that. He's going to sing with Santa Claus. But instead, Bobby ends up pulling down the Santa Claus mask to reveal that uh, he is the waddler. He's a wrestler. Yeah. Very dumb, very stupid, no redeeming qualities to this. And of course, I loved it. I was just <laughs> it just it was just watching Bobby be Bobby. Uh, there was you know, there was no big surprise here. I mean, I like the fact that we get the Waddlers uh, little video intro package with the with the WWE music. I thought that was very cute that they did that. Uh, you know, in general, he was just very fun. His little move, the way he waddled around the stage, I thought was very funny. Uh, I, I thought it was cute that they have the idea of him sort of having his entrance in front of the screen as they do on Raw and SmackDown. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so a lot of fun stuff. I don't know that anything was particularly hilarious or was particularly surprising, but uh, in general, I thought it was that part of it. I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. And then we get into Leslie Jones. I think my favorite joke in all of this was when Leslie Jones and uh, the music starts and John Cena asks, what wrestler are you supposed to be? And she's like, I'm Leslie Jones, bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, and yet I would say the minute I saw Leslie Jones in my head, I had written this exact sketch. Uh, I knew that she wasn't going to it was just going to be like I, the only thing that surprised me is I thought she was going to say, what's the WWE? That was the only thing that she didn't say, uh, you know, everything from she's just being her to her having her, the you know, the intro package, even to then her finding him sexy. I just uh, I, I'm mm-hmm. no I, I'm no comedy, whatever. But uh, I absolutely saw every piece of this coming. So I was just like, again, she does what she does very well. So I, I always love seeing her. But from the writing standpoint, I was just like, yep, OK, we we've seen this before. We've seen half of our monologues. We get this. Uh, so I was I was eager to get to the next. Uh, and then we end up with Keenan coming out and uh, hitting Cena with the chair and then running away uh, scared. So I thought uh, soft ending. 
Yeah, weird that it was Keenan. I felt like this really, it was odd that it was, I would much rather have seen Kyle Mooney. I would much rather have seen Mikey Day, uh, Alex Moffat, someone else do this. I felt like, you know, he, there, he wasn't, Keenan wasn't trying to be a wrestler. He didn't even have an opening package. Uh, it was just him hitting him with a chair, which was a cute idea. Uh, and then I like his line, oh, I've made a grand error in judgment. Uh, and then running off the stage yelling i'm a delicate flower but it it almost felt like they weren't even trying that hard at this point because it it, it wasn't even a it didn't heighten it was just a, another piece so but uh, you know again it was it was pleasant uh john cena held his own comedically it was fun to see him uh sort of play this you know sort of making fun of the wwe very directly so you know a fun piece all right, Rich. So we end up with the first live sketch of the post monologue part of the show. And we end up with a game show uh, to hook a hunk. Uh, we've seen this type of setup a number of different times on SNL, even though uh, the dating game hasn't aired for uh, quite some time. And I don't even know if there's any game shows that are actually like this, even on television. But SNL goes to this a lot. Yeah, I think this is closer to the MTV shows, although I don't know that for a while there were a lot of dating show game shows on MTV, uh, Fifth Wheel and uh, stuff like that, which I think they're sort of mocking. But you're right. I don't think any of those have been on for a long time. I will say uh, in the plus column, I will say like you when this started, I thought this was just going to be matched to the, uh, the game show that we did with Woody Harrelson yes. where the host is the dad. I thought we were set up for an exact rerun. So I will absolutely say i was very happy um you know that at least it was a different premise than than a game show we've seen before in snl yeah i had the same exact thought especially when uh, john cena comes out as the host and there's a little bit of like oh what are you doing here where i thought it was going to be that of course i that don't you know that what i do i'm your dad but ultimately no that was not the direction that we went and the wrinkle here is that we have uh these three teenage guys trying to get with the girl and ultimately all she can do is think about john cena yeah which i thought was actually a fun i mean i'd say going into this there's a lot that i liked as far as i liked that this felt like a very fresh take we i don't remember having ever seen something like this before uh where she She's ignoring the guys because she's in love with the host. I like the, the idea that the host is falling in love with her, too. And I did like that, you know, the the three men uh, in the sketch are really playing this sort of very MTV. Uh, you know, my lines have been pre-scripted. Everything is a weird sexual analogy, but it's not particularly clever. And here they're being ignored. So uh, going into this, I was like, you know what? This is fresh. This is different. I'm really enjoying it. Um and then I just, uh, you know, I guess about halfway through it, maybe I just wasn't in a great mood, uh, but I, I was definitely feeling like, OK, well, I kind of get this, but uh, I don't know that it really went anywhere all that fun for me. What about the ending where we ended up uh, with uh, Beck and Kyle Mooney being the guys who sort of found each other after being left? 
by uh, the game show. Well, I mean, I've said this before, and and I and I wrote it down to say it again for this sketch, which is I I don't think as anyone who listens to our podcast knows I am not the voice of political correctness, but I do feel like in 2016 when the joke is, look, it's two men kissing, isn't that hilarious and squeamish and uh, squ- uh, squeal worthy that two men are kissing? It feels fairly dated to me. It felt very like and I'm not saying I could have written a better sketch, but I will say it felt like eh, we could have done better. Like, I don't know. I don't. And I'm not saying that they are in any way overtly homophobic uh, at all, because I, I, I love these people. But I do think that sketches like this play that way inadvertently when the 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 joke is, look, the two straight men are actually kissing each other and blackout. Yeah, you know, I won't be as hard on it because I felt like at least it was an interesting ending that I didn't see coming where the people on the panel on one of these dating type shows end up finding each other after being sort of cast aside by the girl who was asking the question. So I at least gave it some points for being an original ending. Yeah, no, I I, I, I guess I would agree with you on that. Yeah, uh, and I felt and I like, shouldn't say I didn't hate it. I think also I just was more like, eh, okay, we're doing this, <laughs> okay, but it you know didn't kill me. Yeah, all right. So, Rich, we have a pre-tape piece which is a Karate Kid parody, uh, where we have uh, basically like a recreation of the final scene from uh, the Karate Kid. Yeah, you know, directed by Oz uh, Rodriguez. Um, Man, I'm sorry, guys. I know I'm a curmudgeon tonight, but I got to say, I like the setup. I like the way they're playing the characters. I like the idea of Keenan. And then I saw this joke coming down 6th Avenue, getting stopped with the Christmas traffic in front of Rockefeller Center because of everyone looking for the trees, getting inside to, you know, the the elevator, going up to the eighth floor. And I just was way like it just felt just really just like, oh, boy, get to the joke of where actually the karate kid just gets his ass kicked. And so um, it was just a lot of waiting around for me to get there. And then uh, I absolutely liked the execution of it and him getting pushed punched through not only just the wall but getting punched through four walls uh you know huge credit to the technical team that made that happen i thought that was really funny the way they did it uh and then the joke continued and it just felt like i i felt like i was so far ahead of this sketch uh that it was uh it just just didn't do it for me I'm uh, totally with you on this uh, where I couldn't believe that ultimately that's what the joke was where, you know, you sort of feel like, okay, if this is Saturday Night Live, what is the setup? What are they going to do? Like what sort of the twist on Karate Kid that they could possibly do in this scene? And then when it's just that John Cena kicks um, Mikey Day's ass in the karate match um, again, you know, kudos to the effect that they did. Uh, I really I couldn't believe that either, that that was the joke. Yeah, I I agree. I yeah, I was surprised. And it, and it we laid a lot of pipe to get there. I mean, the yeah. whole idea of listening to the wind and the penny. And I was like, OK, uh, I'll go. Uh, I'm so afraid what this is going to be, but maybe it won't. And if it doesn't, that'll be exciting. But it was so, uh, you know, really tough. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, because there was so much set up to get there. It was I it couldn't just be this. It couldn't just be this. It couldn't just be this. And then, you know, there was no there was no twist. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, so like everyone involved in it, but, uh, I was, I, you know, uh, I, I was just waiting for it to be over. And Keenan was a good Miyagi. Yeah, no, he did a fine. I mean, everyone in it did their role very, they did their job very well. I mean, I, I, I think it was just, as we said, from the beginning, I was just like, Ooh, this is, I think I know where this is going and just really wanted it to be over. Mm hmm. All right, uh, Rich, uh, let's talk about uh, John Cena as the college football player where he is presenting alongside Vanessa and Mikey Day. And he announces Cena at the beginning of the sketch that if he does not get an A plus, he will not be playing in the in the university's bowl game. Yeah. And uh, I uh, I'm sorry, guys. I, I know I'm a downer, but this is this is one I will at least say this. The while the joke was so obvious from the get go of, well, of course, they're going to give him an A plus because they need him to play in the football game. Uh, there was no I don't know that there were any twists and turns to this sketch. And it just felt like very, very obvious joke after joke after joke. I will say a lot of the actual jokes were quite funny. And I did find myself giggling despite the fact that it was just a, basically a repeating of the same joke for four to five minutes um but but cena was very game and did a very fun character so there was just there i i did giggle at a lot of the absurdity of what they were doing even if it was very very predictable yeah you know and rich i actually thought that there was some fertile ground here where i thought that perhaps if the educators had to actually explain their hypocrisy i thought that there was uh some fun to be had there but ultimately, it was just that they were just going along with that Cena was getting an A no matter what, and everybody else was getting the third degree. But I, I, but I do feel like that there was some fodder to have these characters have to try to explain you know what they were doing absolutely and i definitely think so and i think you know there 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 could have been more stakes to it and there could have been more fun even you know when they're asking him a question like you know you know what do you call the outside of a banana and he says you know the crust which is in and of itself a very funny joke but when it's such when they when the response was like correct it just felt like well there's you didn't even need to say correct then like it would have been much more fun to have them sort of contort themselves into explaining how appeal is also considered a crust there could have been a lot of fun there so i agree i also like the round banana yeah although it was weird that they visually you sort of had the sight gag before he got to call it the round banana we had already seen it uh so that was i mean obviously that's always a little bit tougher when you're dealing with live tv so um yeah you know it was all you know is it, it was very much okay and then it is also hard when you have something where the format is that predictable to then have to spend the time to do set up line Mikey Day, set up line Vanessa Bayer, just so then we can go to uh, go to um, uh, John Cena to say, okay, well, what do you think of this animation of a banana dancing? Which in and of itself was very funny to see him doing peanut butter and jelly time, but a lot of time wasted with Mikey Day and Vanessa Bayer uh, to sort of just you know like, oh, we're reestablishing the premise that we're asking these guys very hard questions, but it ultimately for me became like, well why are we even spending time with them? Like we already get the joke. We don't need the joke again. Yeah. Although that peanut butter and jelly time banana, uh, it gets me every time. All, all, all funny stuff in execution, everyone. in it was good. Um, but it was, is, and then the ending with him having to read the caterpillar book was just like, 
Ah, okay. We get it. We get it. Let's move on. Yeah. We do have that book in my house, Rich, also. How how are you as far as reading on it? Good. You can get the whole thing? We read it often. Yeah. That's very good. Good. All right, Rich, uh, the return of Dyke and Fats. uh, Will that change your tune for this episode? No, again, <laughs> because the problem is, I mean, okay. Well, we Lisa, seen, do you like Dyke and Fats from? Yeah, so the, this is the, this is they've done it once before or twice we, before. I think once before we we saw they did it with Louis C.K. in 2010. There could have been a second time, but I don't think so. Uh, so we haven't seen it in a bunch of years. The first time we saw it, I thought it was really funny and just really stupid, but also smart and just a, a, everything about it was very almost meta. It's just, I loved it. I thought it was really funny. So. Uh, Paul Berganti directs this one. Dyke and Fax saves Christmas. And as soon as they started, I I had a like, oh, great. They're bringing this back and they're going to do something with this. This will be a lot of fun. And then it was really just like a rerun. It was just we basically had, you know, the same basic kind of opening that we had in the first one. And then, uh, you know, a very sort of short live scene with John Cena. That was very indicative of the first one. And then it was over. So... I mean, I I would say, you know, similar to the science presentation, a lot of giggles along the way, but I knew where it was going. And so I don't know that I necessarily got a lot of fun out of it. What was the gag? Was it exactly the same from the Louis C.K. version of Dyke and Fats? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much the, you know, a long, uh, a long opening title sequence to the show Dyke and Fats, you know, with Mm -hmm. you know Dutch Plains as Officer Les Dawitsky and Velva O'Malley as Officer Chabina Fats. Sorelli. Uh, you know, it wasn't the same video. It, it, they literally did shoot different video for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all really sort of the same kind of just gags. It's sort of making fun of cop shows, but also making fun of themselves. Uh, you know, well, what uh, about the live action part of it with Louis C.K.? Was that the same sort of bit that was done? Like, I know it was another yeah. short scene, but was the joke exactly the same of it, that? Like, we're past it. We're past it. We're past it. Yeah, it was similar in that. I think he did play the chief and uh, they're having a conversation and he puts his foot in his mouth and they get very upset. So similar in that way. I don't remember. I didn't go back to watch it again. I don't remember if it was exactly, you know, similar, but it, but it was certainly structurally the same. And yeah, I was, uh, you know, similarly excited because I remembered how fun it was the first time around. But yeah, I did felt like uh, ultimately, there was no there there when it was like uh, we kept waiting for, you know, some big gag with this. But ultimately, other than it's Dyke and Fats, this, 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 I mean, I think that that's it. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we had anything new for. And again, I've said this about many of the sketches, uh, you know, in, in a couple of episodes this season. Had I never seen Dyke and Fats in Louis C.K. 2010. And again, that aired post update. Uh, you know, I imagine there's a lot of people who didn't see that or barely remember it because they had fallen asleep before the first time. And if that's the case. This is a really fun sketch. This is a really fun piece of business to see because it's so silly and over the top. So, uh, I, you know, I should say specifically my sort of uh, lack of excitement comes from having liked it so much the first time. If this was new, it's pretty good. Okay. So let's talk music, Rich. And uh, for this, we're going to bring in uh, James Keast. And here's what James had to say earlier about Marin Morris musical guest. Hey Robin Rich, reporting in from snowy Toronto. Marin Morris, the uh, rising country star, 
showed up on SNL this week uh, to perform uh, My Church, her pretty big hit. Uh, it's a big hit with country radio, and you can certainly see why. Um, it's uh, the Church of Country Music is what we're talking about. Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, uh, all the old names were invoked by uh, Marin in her uh, first appearance here on Saturday Night Live. Uh, she's 26 years old, uh, although she looked uh, about 16. So just in case you were wondering how did this uh, teenager sneak onto the SNL stage, she is certainly uh, older than she looks. And uh, she's had quite a lot of early success in her career. Her debut album has uh, garnered a, nominee, a nomination for a Best Country Album Grammy. She's also nominated as Best New Artist. And My Church itself is nominated for Best Song and Best Solo Performance. Uh, I could not get away from the impression, though, that uh, Maren Morris seems like a country star created in a lab in Nashville. Um, it's mm. it, it's exactly what uh, you would want in uh, a, a telegenic young star with a big hit that evokes all the things that uh, country music loves. It's history, some religion, some driving trucks. And uh, which is a uh, brings us to our second song, uh, also automotively related. Uh, Marin performed 80s Mercedes as her second song and a uh, little slicker and a little uh, little more maybe aimed at some rock radio crossover. Uh, and, and perhaps she'll have that success. Uh, I was not really on board with the nineties baby driving an eighties Mercedes. Uh, I, I think I, you know, my church, I understand it's a, it's a good song and she's a good singer, but I think eighties Mercedes is where I get off the uh, Marin Morris train. Um, coming up next week is chance the rapper. Uh, one of the most exciting artists of 2016 and uh, currently the cover artist of the latest issue of Exclaim Magazine. You can find it on the streets hey. if you live in Canada or around the world, exclaim.ca. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Exclaim Editor. Thank you, Robin Rich. I will talk to you next week for Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper. I don't know uh, what decade vehicle he will be driving. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like the idea of Marin Morris being uh, conceived in a uh, Nashville laboratory. Yeah, I mean, I did. Uh, and we don't need to. Believe it. I liked her. I, I, not my thing, but I liked her. Uh, it did feel similar. I would have said to James if we were live. It, she did feel like uh, probably the country version of Ariana Grande, sort of, you know, that test tube uh, perfect, uh, you know, person for for the genre. Uh, but. I have nothing bad to say. She did a fine enough job. Okay. And I look forward to seeing Marin Morris's brother on Big Brother 19. I don't know what that means. But I, <laughs> oh, uh, it yeah. just occurred to me. Sorry. Uh, I've tried to block Frankie Grande out of my brain. So I forgot that he's a thing. Sorry about that. Well, Frankie. you're you're the lucky one, Rich. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. So let's talk a uh, weekend update. And uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, lots of Trump talk here once again, Rich. Yeah. I mean, I've been sort of down on weekend update the last few episodes. Uh, I would say overall, I thought we weekend update was the highlight of the show it was a a rare bright spot spot in a tougher episode uh you know i think all the all of the pieces here i had a lot of good stuff to say about uh and the jokes out of the out of the gate i thought uh maybe it took us a little bit of uh going on but overall i liked a lot of the jokes i thought it very very sort of trump uh you know related um but that's obviously what's going on in the world and there's and there's a lot to mock whether you agree or disagree there's a lot of stuff that's that's right for comedy and this was certainly uh no no different 
What were some of the highlights for you? Um, I liked when they were when they were talking about how Trump hasn't been in the briefings and they were saying like, well, maybe it's better. They talked about, you know, maybe they should just give him headphones and an iPad and have him watch Frozen. (laughs) I thought that was very funny. Uh, I like when they talked about Trump still being an EP on The Apprentice. And uh, and Colin says it's an absurd, unethical and potentially illegal conflict of interest only on NBC. <laughs> I thought that was very cute. Um, uh, you know, and, and some really good shots when they talked about how, uh, you know, um, Trump wants to cancel the, 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 the Boeing uh, deal for Air Force One. And Colin said, that's that's different because usually Trump waits for the work to be done before he decides to not pay. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really fun. So uh, I think it was one other I liked. Oh, I really like when they're talking about fake news and they talk about how the Pope, the Pope. Pope has denounced it. And he said, you know, it's bad when the guy who gets his news from voices in the sky and burning bushes tell you to check your sources. I thought that was very fun. Yeah. Well, first visit on Weekend Update, uh, Angela Merkel is back. Uh, another one of Kate McKinnon. She, she really has an assortment of Weekend Update characters, but another one of her strongest is, is back. Are you on board with the uh, Angela Merkel? Yeah. And I would say, you know what, I don't. I, and, you know, we always say it's sort of in the writing. I think that, uh, you know, I always love the Kate McKinnon characters, as everybody knows. I, I think she always does such a great job on this. Um, but I think that this was particularly good. I think that this was just uh, in general, I felt like this was a particularly good outing for Kate McKinnon. Um, it, you know, we sort of ran a, a lot of gamut of it wasn't just here's the two dimensional character and now here's the 10 jokes based on that one dimension. Uh, we we kind of hit a lot of a lot of different points. And I thought I, I thought they did a great job with this. Yeah, she did a very good job. Uh, she's always very fun. I think uh, I really like the ending joke of uh, that she shops at the woman's warehouse where yes. you're going to look the way you look. <laughs> yeah, I felt like that was something that one of the writers wrote for a uh, David Ortiz Big Poppy segment and then they couldn't <laughs> use it. So they thought, well, here's a good place to use it, but a great joke. Um, I really liked when the, when she said, uh, when they were talking about the alt-right and she says in Germany they call that uh, why grandpa is in Argentina now. I thought that was a, a really, really fun joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a rich character that uh, she has a crush on Obama and she always talks about that, how uh, her and Hillary were going to stay up late at night and uh, do each other's makeup, uh, which was going to be uh, what? Just chapstick. Uh, Ch- chapstick. Yeah, chapstick and, or, uh, sunblock. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. It was very fun. Uh, yeah. I like the idea that David Cameron said, let's call Donald Trump and pretend to be the president of Taiwan. I thought that was a very cute out of nowhere joke. So it was very funny. Yeah. All right. So uh, we then also have a second visit to the update desk. Uh, here is Cecily. And I forget the does this character have a name or Michael Kathy Che's? Ann. Yeah. Kathy Ann. Yes. Uh, the woman who's yelling outside of Michael Che's window. Yeah. And we had just done this in uh, Margot Robbie in October. And, uh, you know, I, I'd be interested at some point to go back and watch the October episode because I know that uh, when we saw this character in October, I was not the biggest fan. I thought felt like it was just very 
redundant to a lot of, again, a lot of malapropisms, a lot of using words the wrong way or, or mispronouncing words or giving weird definitions. Uh, so I think I was a little bit like, yeah, I kind of been there, done that. Uh, this though, I, I absolutely just, I just had a lot of fun with this. I thought this, I, for some reason, I thought it was really good. It wasn't just her being dumb and incorrect. I thought she actually made a lot of fun bits, a lot, you know, a lot of jokes about the alt-right and the Nazi stuff I thought was really, really funny. Uh, and I thought she, I just thought, I just thought this, this one for me worked really well. Yeah. Do you think it was the interplay with Michael Che? You know, they have, I think just because of my experiences, and again, I'd have to go back and watch it. It wasn't just, I'm saying the wrong words or I'm misunderstanding what, uh, you know, what is, uh, you know, what's going on in the world. You know, I think that, you know, when she was talking about the label alt-right and she sort of described it, she said, you're not McCafe, you're McDonald's, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> like just a great sort of like, that's not her just being dumb. And yet, then the tag when she's like you know she said something like a bit to about mcdonald's she says i'm not here for a fancy cappuccino i'm here because i burned some bridges at wendy's <laughs> which is such a great like why yeah. such a great line uh and i and i think the energy was really fun when she starts talking to donald trump and she says oh i know he's watching mm-hmm. which was such a great meta shout out to the tweets and everything so I, I thought that was really fun you know it's interesting and i think that this is the first time this season that he hasn't come Actually, I mean, there's probably been other episodes that he has not commented on, but I feel like that since he became won the presidency, I think he's commented after every live SNL. Well, I think it's only been live. I mean, I think what you can try, I think he's clearly only commenting when when Alec Baldwin is doing him. Yes. I think that, you know, not to get into the, you know, the thin skinness of uh, the president elect, but it seems to be very direct that he's, uh, you know, he's just upset by that particular thing. So uh, so I don't I would be surprised if he was watching SNL, if he made it this far into the show. OK, <laughs> it is. Late. It's getting late on the East Coast. Yeah. So but in general, I thought, you know, overall, I thought probably the strongest weekend update in quite a while, uh, maybe the season. I just thought overall it was just just a really fun, really strong weekend update and, and everything about it. I thought was really good. Okay, Rich, uh, let's talk about our first post update sketch. And uh, we have a game show. Of course, Keenan is hosting this time as Charles Barkley, not as Keenan. The idea of professional athletes. uh, Where'd your money go? Yeah, I mean, second game show in one episode. Come on. Um, That's too many. I didn't know there was a rule on a number of game shows. Well, just because, you know, as we say, like there really are no game shows anymore. So, you know, the fact that the game show is a a form as a sketch format for the show in 2016. okay, I'll you know, I'll give you that. I mean, certainly we do have Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, but there's really not a lot of freshness to this. Um, So, okay, but I feel like and again, I feel like I'm being much more hard on the show because it was a tougher episode for me uh you know two game shows uh you know in a in a really great you know in the tom hanks episode uh might have been you know like oh my god this is great this is super fun uh but uh i so this was another that i just thought maybe if i knew the uh and maybe i'll leave this to you maybe if i knew the athletes that they were making fun of more i would have enjoyed it but uh i loved the premise and i loved some of the writing of the sketch 
But again, once I knew the setup and once I knew where we were going, I felt like we just kind of kept hitting the same beats over and over again. Yeah, I really uh, was not super interested once I even saw the premise of uh, Where'd Your Money Go? Um, I did think it was a pretty decent Gronk impression. I don't know how familiar you are with the Gronk, Rich. I would say uh, somewhere between not at all and not at all. But yeah. that's okay. That's all right. And again, I am not super familiar with the work of uh, the great Conor McGregor, but the John Daly seemed like uh, a r- really uh, not super relevant athlete to go to yeah i mean he was probably the one who i actually knew the most which you know says something right there mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I didn't necessarily get a lot out of uh out of the out of that because i didn't i didn't know really uh you know if there was anything like oh i would be laughing my butt off if i knew who these people were and specifically how they're being made fun of okay uh anything else you want to say on this rich uh you know the other thing that was hard here is that you know i think the thing that i love that the the thing that Keenan does the best is the indignant straight guy, uh, you know, or, you know, straight, not sexual straight, but, uh, you know, in the sketch, the normal person. Right. He does that so well. And it was hard because in this sketch, he had so many great lines that Keenan can normally just just absolutely eviscerate. But because he was doing a Charles Barkley impression, I felt like a lot of the timing and the bite after his like, I'll give you a hint. The answer is always no no got kind of watered down and it wasn't as funny as if Keenan's himself or doing Steve Harvey. So, uh, so I think that that really sort of hurt us. Okay. Rich, uh, let's talk about the office Christmas party where 80 falls out the window trying to, uh, put the star on the tree. I, I think this is where we go from. I'm struggling with the show to just flat out. Uh, boy, <laughs> uh, boy. Yeah. Um, again, it's a clever idea that the office would actually care more about the tree than the woman holding the tree. So I'm in at the beginning, like, okay, that's a silly idea, but some of my favorite sketches in the world are quite silly ideas. But then we just didn't really go anywhere with it. And I just was just kind of waiting for it to be over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, of these last uh, couple of sketches, I think that this is probably the one I like the best. But it's, again, uh, damning with a a bit of faint praise. I thought that uh, effects wise, um, other than, you know, uh, 80s pants, uh, you know, getting a little bit transparent because of the green screen, that they did a pretty good job with uh, pulling this off. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. They they did that well. From a technical perspective, uh, you know, I liked it when they were pouring the monster energy drink on her head yeah i guess okay (laughs) i'll give you that i don't know and then uh, the idea of the yankee swap ultimately being (laughs) what knocks her down with the uh uh, 35 pound kettlebell uh You know, yes, that was definitely cute. The, the idea that he's going to swap with her while that's going on. That made me laugh. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, I don't have a lot to add here, but uh, a couple a couple of moments. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it was fine. Uh, yeah, that's all yeah. I can say. All I can say here is it was fine. 
All right, well, then we do have one pre-tape piece that goes up here at the end of the show. And uh, very curious uh, timing in terms of uh, where this lands in the show. And I think that this is probably, um, a, you know, a, a very uh, avant-garde idea that ends up getting used here. Again, we don't have Alec Baldwin to be Trump. But the writers figure out a way to get a Trump sketch into the show with a sketch that is uh, the Donald Trump POV. Yeah, I mean, uh, an interesting I I would say this. I I don't know that I loved this either, but I will absolutely say I thought this was really uh, different uh, and it was really stylistically kind of woke me up a little bit. So uh, I actually thought it was fun enough if uh, I don't know that I would say it was fun uh, or fun funny but it was it was at least uh at least it got my attention so i probably liked it a little bit more uh maybe also because i was just uh really sort of grasping at straws at this point i mean i did think that this is probably the best sketch of uh the show i think just because it's at least an original take on something where yeah. it's like you know they they went for it and uh, there's, you know, some interesting ideas and it's sort of like this, uh, you know, this uh, crazy, you know, nightmare that we're seeing, uh, you know, through the eyes of Donald Trump in terms of, you know, uh, things are happening. His hands are shrinking and, and getting sm- and getting bigger at the same time, depending on what's happening. So in sort of like, you know, this bad acid trip uh, that's going on, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought I this mean, it was, held my attention yeah. the whole way through as to, you know, what's going to happen next. Unlike any other sketch in the entire show. Yes, totally agree. Totally agree. So uh, the John Cena, you know, how Trump uh, sees himself in the mirror again uh, was very funny. Yes. No, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, it, interesting. Yeah, it was. It, I, I thought I was surprised that they put this this late in the show. Um, maybe they felt the show was just a little too Trump heavy, but um, I actually would rather have seen the swap this with Karate Teen. I think this at least my I think this, you know, coming after dating show and after the monologue could have been a really fun. Like, what was that? That mm-hmm. was interesting as opposed to uh, maybe just getting a little bit lost where it was. OK, well, then we get back to the live sketches and we have the adult bookstore uh, stock boy. Uh <laughs> Boy, uh, this this sketch was under <laughs> you for a boy. Uh, it was. Yeah, this was this was rough. I, I I couldn't get through this a second time. It felt like it just went on forever. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I'm at a loss for words on this one. The one thing I did like was sort of the reveal that um, the John Cena character doesn't actually work at the bookstore and that uh, AD has just hired him. Uh, right, I, like right. that, I like that twist. Yes. Uh, but, you know, other than Keenan going back to being the indignant straight person in the sketch, uh, which, you know, uh, he does excel at. You know, fix this. Uh, right. You know, um, 
very rough. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I will agree. I thought this was very rough. Uh, this was I mean, hey, you're going for it. This is probably and again, you know, it's you know, context is everything. This exact sketch after a great episode might have actually played as just like, oh, my God, that was so goofy. And they were really having such a fun time. What was that? I don't even. So so maybe I don't know. But for me, uh, it was definitely tough. Yeah. All right, Rich. And then the final sketch of the night, it's this United States of talent. And uh, we have an owl having all sorts of bodily function issues. Rich, this was like a sketch that you would see like in a 30 Rock episode when they're like trying to demonstrate like some of the horrible stuff that's on 30 Rock. I feel like that this is a sketch you would see with Tracy Morgan uh, just getting, uh, you know, uh, pooped on by the owl. Yeah, I think I had originally seen this sketch on Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon's old you can't do that on television um uh, it really it had that feel I mean you know sure why not but uh it was just yeah it was just just a silly gross out you know it's pooping it's vomiting it's all the whatever um but it was uh just a silly kind of nothing I was very over it I really was just Whew, let's let's just get out already. Let's let's wrap this up. <laughs> and you know, the Dave Chappelle episode ended on a similar sort of like gross out physical comedy type thing where Leslie Jones was the mom and she was trying to breastfeed her adult children and people were getting sprayed in the face with breast milk. And I think we were both that we said, okay, this is, you know, you want to do this, uh, you know, five to one. Uh, This was a fun sketch, but this just the, the owl with explosive diarrhea really, um, you know, was not playing for me. Yeah. Because I do think that the Chappelle episode was, it was very silly, gross out, but it was, you know, you know, visual, but it also was uh, very sort of, uh, you know, like, oh, we're, we're really going into a territory that we would normally never go, uh, you know, and that idea of an adult breastfeeding where this was just there really wasn't anything to it. It was just, OK, we're just watching gross out be gross out. So, uh, yeah, this this definitely did not do anything for me. Okay, Rich. And what about the goodbyes with Cena? Uh, you know, everyone seemed to enjoy him and have a good time. A uh, lot of lot of camaraderie, a lot of hugging. Brian Cranston was there. Uh, in general, I thought it was thought it was good. Yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts on uh, the John Cena night? Uh, no. I mean, again, I would say a, a rougher night. I would say probably the rougher writing coming of the rougher time of the night was probably from the writing feeling redundant within the sketches. Uh, but Cena did a good job. I thought of course the cast has always did a great job and, uh, you know, I'm hoping we rebound for, uh, for the last episode. Did you feel like this was the worst of 20, uh, not 2016, but, uh, the worst of season 42? Yeah, I, I would. Yeah. I think, you know, we've had some rougher episodes this I was really like, boy, this was, you know, there wasn't there wasn't much to really hang my hat on. And I will say there were there have been a couple of other episodes where watching them live, like, let's say, Kristen Wiig or even Emma Stone, where I the night of I felt like eh, I wasn't great. But then watching it a second time, watching sketches going, you know what? That's actually funny. You know what? There's there's a lot of fun there. OK, this was one we're watching it a second time other than Weekend Update. I kind of had a, a, a 
my opinion did not uh, get bolstered, unfortunately. All right, Rich, I have some questions from the listeners about uh, this week's SNL. Uh, let me start on. with uh, Ron from Toronto who wants to know, based on his performance, will John Cena be asked to host again? Oh, yeah, I definitely think uh, I, I definitely think so. I, I think that he did a, a an absolute fine job and I bet we'll see him again. I believe also I read a headline that uh, SNL ratings up this week with uh, John Cena hosting. Which defies him. I don't that's that. And is, uh, that sounds like I'm taking a shot at John. I'm not. I'm surprised by that. Uh, but sure. OK. But yeah, I think we'll see him again. Definitely. OK. Uh, Ron also wants to know where was Pete Davidson? He wasn't in a single sketch. You know, and that's a great uh, a great eye because he was not there. Uh, he actually did not show up for the good nights. Uh, so he unless he for some reason was hiding, I think he actually wasn't at the show this week, um, which is odd for someone as you know new as him. Uh, they probably gave him some dispensation for something to go do something. But uh, yeah, he, he good eye. He was it's not that he didn't get much screen time. He was not in the building. Uh, Ian Rice wants to know that uh, Sashir Zameda was used sparingly early this season, has been practically non-existent as of late. Are her days numbered? Uh, also, it looks like she's taping a comedy special for CISO on December 20th. Yeah, I think uh, I if I was uh, Sashir's uh, uh, agent, I would definitely be very nervous. She is really getting very little screen time. Uh, and it's been like that for a bit. I think that she got a nice boost. And this is nothing against Sashir, but necessarily. But I'm just saying when you look at the stats, I think when she was one of, uh, you know, the the only, uh, you know, African-American female and one of of the only African-American cast members, uh, you know, on the show, I think that she probably was just getting roles based on, oh, good. Now we have expanded our palette of things we can make fun of. Now you have a much more diverse looking uh, cast and uh, and she's not necessarily as needed. Uh, you know, this, you know, the same thing can be said a little bit. You know, Melissa Villasenor, who's our new featured player, has been showing up here and there for one off, you know, one line, two line throwaways. But in an episode where you saw a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of um, impressions, we have yet to see Melissa, who's a great impressionist, has only done one impression this season and it was only one line. So something's going on behind the scenes. I'm surprised that uh, that she's not getting more screen time. But Sashir. Now, I will say there were many, many seasons where Vanessa Bayer was in the same situation. And I kept saying on this podcast, you know, if if Lauren's got a cut somebody i could see him cutting vanessa not that because i don't like her but because she's not getting any screen time uh so uh so it may come around but i'm sure it's gonna you know like most people in snl it would have to come from shazir uh shazir writing her own stuff okay Antonio Mazzaro has a an endorsement of the through Trump's eyes sketch. He says subtle brilliance in the sketch of uh, through Trump's eyes. A rewatch is rewarding. Lots of background jokes, including a taco bowl. Yeah. Directed by Dave McCary, by the way, did a great job. I thought a uh, really good tone uh, and well edited. I don't know who edited this uh, this week, but but well edited. Really a lot of fun stuff there. I agree. Yeah, I just thought it was clever to sort of figure out a workaround for how do you do Trump when you don't have Alec Baldwin. Yes. 
Yes. And and they and it which is a problem that I think we'll be dealing with much more directly come January when I suspect that Alec will retire his impression uh, next week is my okay. guess. OK. What about uh, Melissa Villasenor? I, you know what? At this point, why not? <laughs> why not? Why she not? She can do impressions. Yeah. Boy, you know what? How much would that drive the president elect insane? <laughs> he would I not like see that. that. I don't think he would I like that. I want to see that just for the tweets. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Mike Bloom said, so with Aniston and Cranston making cameos the past two weeks, what other actor do you predict will drop by next episode to promote their new film? slash reprise their most famous character last show of the uh, year traditionally especially when alumni have hosted this is a good spot for cameos do you think that we will have many cameos or any cameos maybe even the brother of the host good question i mean i don't necessarily see a lot of alumni showing up for casey affleck um, without getting into too much pop culture casey affleck right now is a fairly polarizing figure uh, right now he's getting rave reviews for his new movie manchester by the sea that he's the star of um but there is a lot of uh things being said about him uh, as you know allegedly uh you know alleged conduct that is not becoming of a of a actor in hollywood so I would be surprised if many uh, alumni uh, showed up this week. I could see a lot of people just sort of steering clear, even though I'm sure, you know, it is what it is. Casey Affleck will probably be fine. Um, You know, the question, as as Mike points out, is, you know, especially given Casey Affleck's kind of weird PR conundrum, uh, you know, it would be great to see Ben show up to support his brother. Um, it would be truly a, a sign of brotherly love. I don't know that Ben needs to get dragged into anything right now. And uh, so uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he does. Now, the Casey Affleck uh, saga, which uh, admittedly, I don't know a lot about. Did this break after SNL had booked Casey Affleck to host? No, no, this has been in spite of it. Yes, this is in spite of. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll see. So SNL stands with Casey Affleck. Yes. Okay. Interesting. All right. So uh, Rich, uh, we will have that podcast coming up for you guys on Sunday. Musical guest Chance the Rapper. uh, And that will close out 2016 in the SNL uh, post show recap. Rich, how about that? Then we'll all take a nice, well-needed break. Uh, and and I think I'll be interested to see when they come back, especially given that we had a lot of episodes, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, uh, you know, upfront pre-election. So we, we could be off for a couple of weeks. I, I will suspect we will certainly be off three weeks. Um, we could maybe even be off four weeks. I'm not sure, but I think we'll definitely take a three week break. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, I think a three week break after this. Yeah. All right. Well, great stuff, Rich. Uh, Outstanding work. I know uh, this was not our favorite episode, but hopefully we uh, described uh, what our issues were artfully enough. You know what? And, you know, I said I I hate to, you know, uh, be critical because I am first and foremost a fan of the show. But uh, you know what? When I'm effusive and over the moon about it, you know, I want everyone to know that it's real. So when we're not when an a boy is called for, uh, you know, we just we just got to call like it is okay thanks so much to scott st pierre for the editing of the snl post show recap and of course to james keese for his musical expertise uh take care everybody have a good one we will talk to you after casey affleck coming up on sunday take care bye 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.